Welcome to Grace Harvest Church's weekly podcast featuring lead pastor Doug Sherman. For more information about Grace Harvest Church, visit us online at graceharvestchurch.org. Now listen in and allow God to speak to you as Pastor Doug shares this week's message. Kind of warming up for this Sunday. Um, preaching's a weird thing because weird things happen to you in the morning. Um, always. So just, you just can't get away from it. Um, I've had hiccups like all morning. <laughs> and you know how the hiccups like come and go? Uh, so if I start hiccuping, this could be, we could be in for a wild ride, <laughs> but it's one of those like stress things where I keep hiccuping and I'm like, oh no, you know, <laughs> um, I want to, I want to throw up our key passage or key text for today. Um, this is the passage that I want it to kind of get stuck in, stuck in your head, get it in your heart, get it in your soul. This will be the thing that you're going to walk away with. This is the key passage, but also the key point. And so um, we'll just read that real quick. It says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Wow. Um. I kind of want to just bring you up to speed real quick of where we're at. Um, We've been on a series called Vistas, an overview of God's story. The last two weeks, um, two weeks ago, we took a little break from it. Just the Holy Spirit was moving, so we just kind of went with it. And then last week, we had a QA and a about Vistas. And so this week, we're kind of back on track, and I kind of wanted to bring you up to speed. Pastor Doug, uh, three weeks ago, um, took us through Kings, kingdoms, and the king of kings. So essentially, he took us through Israel and good kings and bad kings. So we see the nation of Israel has this huge lineage of kings coming in, kings coming out. And there's really, really amazing kings, really, really bad kings. Two of those kings really, really stand up to be really um, just love the Lord, but also very, very famous. King David, the man after God's own heart but also King Solomon, the man of wisdom. So we see Pastor Doug bring us to that point, talked about that, and then the nation was split. The nation of Israel was split between 10 tribes over here, two tribes over here. This is now where we're landing, and this is the writings kind of in between, interwoven throughout that story of the kings. We are in the wisdom books, the wisdom books. The Bible is actually chunked up into different sections, and so it's not only Old Testament and New Testament. It actually gets a lot deeper than that. But this passage, or this, what we're going to preach on today, is the wisdom book. So there's five wisdom books, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and the Song of Songs. So these are the five wisdom books. I want to read this verse to kind of just even set us up. Proverbs 4, 5 through 6, it says this, get wisdom, get insights, do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth, do not forsake her, wisdom is always a her, that's for husbands, and she will keep you, love her and she will guard you, the five books of wisdom. Tonight, or today, we're going to actually dive into the book of Job. 
is the first one. And a little fun fact, or I like to call it the Bible college fact, um, is Job is the oldest book of the Bible. A lot of people assume that it's Genesis because that's how it's canonized in Scripture. But Job is actually the first book of the Bible, the, the oldest book of the Bible. So even I begin to even think of these other heroes of the faith reading this story of Job and learning about it. And I love to look at the past because I think looking at the past informs where you're going in the future. So we're going to dive into the book of Job. The wisdom books are, are beautiful because they have a really nice insight into humanity, showing our common struggles and how God meets us in the midst of them. They truly illustrate how God's wisdom is deeper, how it's more profound, in that how every, he is the source of every good thing. You want to become wise or grow in wisdom? Start reading the wisdom books. You will be blown away from what happens when you begin to read the Bible, how it gets in your soul and your heart. So let's dive right into the story of Job. Who is Job? Job. Um, he was a man that was in the land of Uz from chapter 1. And I'm just going to read this entire thing. He was a man that was blameless and upright, Job chapter 1, who feared God and turned away from evil. There were born to him seven sons and three daughters. He possessed 7,000 sheep and 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 female donkeys. And very many servants, so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the east. His sons used to go and hold a feast in the house of each one on his day. And they would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. And when the day of the feast had run its course, Job would send and consecrate them. And he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings, according to the number of them all. For Job said this, it may be that my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did continually. So, what even, he's come to even unpack that a little bit. Job had a bunch of kids, very, very wealthy, very powerful person. His, his kids would end up just partying for the night. And just to be safe, God, or Job would give God an offering to consecrate them and to kind of make it okay with God. The next paragraph is probably the one of the paragraphs in the Bible. The title of this paragraph, one of the Bible that disturbed me probably one of the most. And it says this, Satan allowed to test Job. Satan allowed to test Job. Job 1, 6 through 12. So we have this story and you're seeing who the life of Job is and who Job is. And then let's even now... Go up a little higher, and we see this illustration of about a courtroom. A courtroom. And it says this. Now there is a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. The Lord said to Satan, from where have you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth, and from walking up and down on it. And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There is none like him on earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for no reason? 
Have you not put a hedge around him in his house in all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hand and his possessions have increased in the land. But do this. Stretch out your hand and touch all that he has and he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, behold, all that he has is in your hands. Only against him, his body, do not stretch out your hand. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Why is it important to know this very thing? A lot of times we think that Satan and God are in this divine wrestling match and we're wondering, who's going to win? Uh, but reading this story, it's, really, it's very different than that. This shows that God is actually in control of everything, even the movement of Satan. Disturbing, right? <laughs> it should shake you a little bit. So Satan had to ask permission to bother Job. Okay, let's keep going. This launches into a string of horrible circumstances for Job. Satan comes against Job using raiders, using natural, natural disasters, and doing these things to attack Job. The next chapter shows Job losing everything. Raiders come, steal all his camel. Weather happens and destroys all his crop. A wind blows when all his seven sons and three daughters are in the house and kills all of them. So, Job went from the most wealthy and powerful man. Now, everything has been stripped from him. Now, the test was really on. Because Satan and God were both watching and being like, is he going to curse God now that everything is gone? Job really sticks to his guns amazingly. And he goes, no, 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 I'm not going to curse God. So Satan goes back up to the throne room of God. And he says, okay, I know that I took everything from him, but he didn't curse you. Let me attack his health, his health. And then he'll curse you. And God said, all right, what the heck, <laughs> right? Like, what the heck? Disturbing, like Job is just like a collateral damage, right? He's just kind of an innocent bystander in this exchange. So Satan goes back down and he, he says he inflicts Job with sores all over his body. And then Job takes pottery, breaks it, and like scrapes his skin. Really nasty, right? Super, super nasty. Pus, blood, the whole thing. So at this low point where Job now has truly lost everything. It says him and his wife. He's lost kids, finances, resources, his very health. Job hits this point in chapter 3, and he says this, for the, for the things that I fear comes upon me, and what I dread has befalled me. I'm not at ease, nor am I at quiet. I have no rest, but trouble comes. Why is this happening? It's probably one of the biggest questions we always ask, right? Why in the heck is this happening? Why? I want to challenge you before we move forward. In the midst of a horrible circumstance, why are you wondering, why is this happening to me, Lord? Instead of asking God 
uh, instead of asking where God is in the midst of your pain, this book affirms God's, con- God's control and asks us, where are we in our pain? Are we trusting our creator even though we cannot understand our circumstances? A few years back, I ended up had the opportunity to go to the Philippines with a team of students. We do a lot of missions and outreach there. And me and Pastor Raul, we led a team of young people to the Philippines. Well, as many of you know, um, on that trip, I got like super sick. Really, really sick. Had some stuff going on with my kidneys and yada, yada, yada. Um, In and out of Filipino hospitals um, for a good week. Um, I don't fit on any of their Filipino things. <laughs> uh, every bed, you know what I mean? My, it's like, don't fit, um, nothing fit. And in and out of hospitals, and no, one's, no one can figure out what's going on with me. Ended up getting so bad where I had to be at one of the hospitals for a little longer, put an IV in me, and they gave me um, a strong antibiotic. And then I'm sitting there kind of delusional with IV in my arm. And they're like, okay, you got to go. And I'm like, are you going to take this out? They're like, no, take it with you. Um, so carrying out my IV bag <laughs> out of the hospital, like being like, isn't it spo- somebody supposed to do this? Carry out my IV bag. Um, got back to the children's home. Obviously had some help. Uh, set up my IV bag and like I took a shower curtain in some string and like tied it up like this is really janky um and kind of in and through that i was so sick but i also i was delusional because i was fevering really bad and i was so frustrated and i remember it like so clearly it was one one a.m two a.m somewhere around there and i'm so sick so delusional and i begin to list off to god all the reasons why like, why this is happening to me, God? Like, what the heck? I'm sick. I left, I left my comfort of my house. I left my wife, my kid. I left tacos mi casa. <laughs> I left everything, took a bunch of young people, took a, a bunch of teenagers to the Philippines. That's crazy right there. And Lord, you don't even protect my health. I can't do none of the things I was supposed to do here. What the heck? And I begin to list off these things to the Lord just in the darkness. And just like, ah, IV, just pumping fluids in me. There are moments, and I think maybe some of you can relate, where your spirit or the Holy Spirit inside of you is a little bit ahead of your mind or your body, where you feel like you don't actually have the right words to say, and then all of a sudden the right words come out. I had one of those moments by myself, 2 a.m. I remember very, very well. I ranted for about an hour. 2 a.m., I'm in the dark, so frustrated, listing these things off to the Lord. And then something came out of my mouth that shocked and surprised me. I said, Lord, you're good. I remember even just being like, what did I just say? After all of that, the thing that came out of me was, Lord, you're good. Lord, I got no health in me. I feel like I'm dying. 
but Lord, you're good. Something began to change in that moment. As a Holy Spirit, it's like you're ministering to yourself, you know? As a Holy Spirit is even before it, before me, the same. In the midst and in spite of my circumstances, in the midst of pain, in the midst of heartbreak, Lord, you're still good. Oftentimes we have a perspective that's pretty almost ground level, pretty shallow, not very far out. In hindsight, it's always 2020, right? We can see how things work out behind us. But in the midst of hard circumstances, we always ask the question is, why is this happening to me? Our perspective's like this. But oftentimes, we miss trusting God and trusting that his perspective is higher. His perspective has a further reach. His perspective is deeper. You want to toss that verse up for me? His perspective is different than yours. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts more than your thoughts. Half of you are freaking out right now. <laughs> Other half are hoping I'd fall, you know. <laughs> You're sick. Some of you guys were shaking your head. That's jacked up. That's jacked up. Uh, Y'all look good from up there. It's a good angle. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Let's get back into the story. Job's at a point he's lost everything. Scraping himself with a pot. Broken. And Job's friends arrive. There's four of them. His four friends arrive. And they really do the right thing right at the beginning. It says this. It starts off in, uh, oh, it's for 28 chapters. Job, Job and his friends talk. But Job's friends show up, and they sit with Job in silence for seven days. They don't speak. That should inform you sometimes, and even me. And when tra tragedy hits people, a lot of times you don't know what to say. But your presence is very, very powerful. I never know what to say. I would say that any of us pastoral staff never know what to say. We just show up and lean on the Holy Spirit. So they wait for seven days and mourn with him. And then Job speaks. And it kind of breaks the silence. And then for 28 chapters, Job's three friends begin to break down begin to analyze and begin to try to rationalize what is happening to Job. They first point at Job and be like, hey, Job, you did something stupid, so God is punishing you. Other ones, they, they question God's justice and be like, eh, maybe, maybe it's, no, maybe it's you, Job. And for 28 chapters, people talk and talk. And talk and talk in like large poetic sentences. Questioning the life of Job, the justice of God, and trying to understand why Job is suffering. But they come to no answer. Chapter 28. Elihu speaks. 
Elihu was the fourth friend that visited Job. He was the youngest of all of them. And it says this, Elihu waited to speak because he was the youngest. <laughs> That's like the word for my life, you know. <laughs> Shut your mouth, Noah. <laughs> and it says this, finally, Elihu, chapter 28, he begins to speak. And it says he burned with anger. He burned with anger at Job because Job justified himself rather than God. He said, surely I don't deserve this. He burned with anger also at Job's three friends because they have found no answer, although they had declared to Job to be in the wrong. Now Elihu had waited to speak to Job because they were older than he. And when Elihu saw that there is no answer in the mouth of these three men, he burned with even more anger. Elihu then launches in this thing where he rebukes all three of the other friends. And then he does three different things. He asserts God's justice is pure. I don't know what's going on here, Job. I don't understand what's going on here. But I know that God is good. He condemns Job for complaining. <laughs> Just kicking him when he's down, you know. Don't you complain on me. <laughs> then he launches into God's greatness and majesty. He ends with this. In, in uh, chapter 37, he says, The Almighty, this is Elihu, we cannot find him. He is great in power, justice, and abundant righteousness he will not violate. Therefore, men fear him. He does not regard any who are wise in their own conceits. He does not regard any who are wise in their own deceits. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. For my ways, for my ways are not your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways. And my thoughts than your thoughts. Perspective. After 28 chapters of people talking, it lands us at chapter 38. The title of it is, The Lord Replies to Job. Oh, snap. <laughs> this is really probably one of the biggest oh, snap moments in the Bible. Because it says this, a whirlwind comes down, and it says, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man, and I will question you, and you will make it known to me. Woo! <laughs> Shots fired. <laughs> God then begins to take Job through a series of visions Showing him the magnitude of the universe. How everything is perfectly aligned. Sun, moon, stars, earth. Percentages of things where it's just like, this is the perfect setup to have life. Then he takes him to earth. He shows him how even birds fly. Why they go there and to and from. He shows them cycles and all of these things. And he begins to question Job over and over again saying, where were you when I made all this? How does this work on this planet? Tell me. 
God then proceeds to challenge Job (laughs) for two more chapters. Then finally, Job kind of being almost beat down in understanding and brought to a place of humility. Job says this in chapter 42. I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Hear, and I will speak. I will question you, and you will make it known to me. I have heard of you by the hearing of, my, of the ear, and now my eye sees you. Therefore, I despise myself, and I repent in dust in ashes. You want to know how to get more wisdom or how to deepen your understanding of God? Proverbs 9 really hits it right on the head. It says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. The Lord then, after dealing with Job, launches into rebuking his three friends and then the Lord begins to restore everything that's happened. We love that part of the story, right? The restoration part. Job gets everything taken. He gets everything restored and also multiplied. So he actually has more than after than on the other side. And it says this, the last thing, it says, And Job died an old man and full of days. Oftentimes, we think this story of Job is about Job being restored what he had lost. But you would miss the point. The point is this. God is good regardless of any in every situation. Every situation. I oftentimes think about this proverb or the psalm, Psalms 23. Begin to, man, begin to memorize stuff. That'll change your life. Psalms 23, it's something that I've been repeating to myself for about the entire month. There's a passage, or there's a verse in there that's really powerful. It says this, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Even though I don't want to walk through the valley of shadow of death. I don't want to walk in there. Lord, I want you to carry me on the hill. (laughs) But that's missing the point. Even when you, I, walk through such heartbreak, such hard times, such moments in your life where you're like, Lord, I don't get it. I don't understand. Yet there, he's still good. Yet there... He's still righteous, yet there he's still just, for his ways are higher than your ways. That's it. Your th- his thoughts are higher than your thoughts. What you got to do is you got to learn to trust him in every and all situations. Got to get somebody on the, on the keys. God, in the midst of the story of Job, 
never denied Job his pain. He never said, oh, shake it off, bud. He never said that didn't hurt. He never said that wasn't even difficult. He never did. God sees you in your pain. What was wrong that happened to you or is happening to you is wrong. But your response to it is not to question the goodness of God, but to trust Him in all seasons. The Lord is my shepherd. True wisdom comes from God. Find it. Seek it. Chase it down. The Lord knows exactly where you're at. In the midst of intense loss, in the midst of even intense crisis, the Lord sees you and meets you in your pain. But in the midst, in irregardless, He is so good and He is for you. I would even challenge you to trust Him at a level you've never trusted Him. Where you say, Lord, this doesn't make sense. I've been there a lot of times. I've said to myself, Lord, this doesn't make sense. I don't get it. But Lord, I know your ways are not my ways. Anyone who want to stand with me?